You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any we don't have any new callers, so let's just kick this thing off with Andy from Kansas. Hi, Ryan. This is Andy Silpuck in Kansas. How you doing? This evening, uh, Clayton and Jacob were going over some film about Christian Watson, and was watching that and realizing uh, that uh, Packers fans should be pretty happy, not only uh, because of his success, but just the fact that we have him as a draft pick in the first place. If we recall the 2022 NFL draft, we traded two picks with the Vikings to move up to get Christian Watson. So in Watson's development here um, this year, keep in mind that the two picks that we gave to the Vikings, they picked Ed Ingram with one of them. The other one they used to trade up with the Colts to pick Andrew Booth. And then uh, in that trade, the the Vikings received um, another draft pick which they traded yet again, and they ended up with, like, two unknown fifth-round picks and an unknown seventh-round pick. So we got Watson. They got Booth, Ingram, and three no-namers. Uh, just keep that in mind. I think that was a great move by Goody. Yep. Um, secondly, with Jordan Love, I'm curious, who do you think will be uh, the, the team besides the Bears who uh, Jordan Love will own <laughs> as his uh, career goes on. Um, if you remember, Brett Favre always seemed to own the Niners, um, and Aaron Rodgers always seemed to own the Cowboys. Um, and then who do you think... Well, it'll be interesting. I, I hope that Jordan doesn't fall into the... Uh, there's this one team that's kind of his kryptonite. Uh, oddly enough, for Favre, it was the Cowboys. And for Rodgers, it seems like it's the Niners, especially yeah. in the playoffs. But <clears throat> with that in mind, uh, fans who are bemoaning all the times that Rodgers lost to the Niners in the playoffs, keep in mind that during the Aaron Rodgers era, the Packers won one Super Bowl and the Niners won zero. So Rodgers was better than the Niners during his time with the Packers, regardless of those losses. <laughs> Some people may think, well, no, he never could get over the losses. But he could never beat the Niners. The Niners were better because they beat him four times. If people actually believe that, then they should also believe that Eli Manning is better than Tom Brady because Eli beat him twice and Tom Brady beat him zero times. So keep in mind, as we're coming out of the Rodgers era, Rodgers, even though he never beat the Niners in the playoffs, he was still better than that team. He had more success than that team during his time frame. Um, yeah so i'm trying to think so if we just kind of do this trying to see it as a pattern here right so 
you mentioned Favre struggled with Dallas. Rodgers dominates Dallas. Rodgers struggles with the 49ers, so Love is going to dominate the 49ers. That's just how that's going to work. Now, who's he going to struggle against? I, I know the Bears, and I want to, you know, the, the NFC North kind of makes sense, but um, if we kind of do that the opposite direction, um, the non-NFC North team that Rodgers seems to to dominate outside of Dallas because I don't want to just go revert back to Dallas because that's no fun um, would be probably I, I got one in mind I want to just go through and see if there's any others that stand out Nickelodeon the Rams so I would say if it's just going to be kind of a little reversal thing then Jordan Love will have continued success against the 49ers, but will struggle against the Rams. In the NFC North, I'm not going to change anything because I don't think anybody really had problems with the Bears. So the Bears remain subservient to the Packers. Um, of course, I would love, you know, for him to, if I had to pick an NFC North team, I probably should be smarter about it and say, you know, Detroit would actually be great. Not necessarily because they're the biggest threat. I mean, I think that's a flash-in-the-pan thing. We'll see if they even are. But even when they are the worst freaking team in football, they always find a way to kick the crap out of us, and I'm tired of it. So it would be nice if Jordan Love, even on a down year, bad game, bad, bad everything, the one thing you know he's going to come through with is smacking the living crap out of the Detroit Lions. Um, but if I have to... Now, see... It used to actually kind of be that way with the Bears, I remember. Even when the Bears were terrible, it didn't really matter. You know, sometimes the Bears would kind of be doing better and the Packers are kind of struggling or vice versa. But Bears-Packers, you never knew what was going to happen. It was actually kind of a rivalry. This was like early 2000s-ish, I think. Um, even, uh, I think even in 2010, the year that, you know, the Packers went on to win the Super Bowl, it was there was that weird thing where the, the last time they played it was like 3-10. to 10. Like, it was just these weird games between the Packers and Bears where, you know, you got the high-flying offense or whatever, and it just, whenever they play each other, it's just a freaking stale. It was, it was the Lovey Smith era, I think is what it was. Anyways, I would hate to give that up, but the Bears are so trash. If I was smart about it, I would say, you know, maybe he doesn't do his best against the Bears, but it doesn't matter because the Bears suck. Probably should go Vikings because historically they've been the better organization. Um... And just say he's going to dominate the Vikings no matter what. But I, I like our current arrange, arrangement. If we can shift a little bit, if nothing else, if we could just be better against the Lions, right? We split with the Vikings, we dominate the Bears, we lose to the Lions. If we could just get to the point where we consistently split, or maybe slightly better, which I guess we kind of do with the Lions. I'm, I'm over-exaggerating how bad it is, but um, if we could just be better against the Lions, that would be great, because I'm so sick of it. It's, it's, it's the worst thing in the world when they are like a three-win team, and you're on your way to a freaking Super Bowl, at least that's how it appears at the time. But you go into a Lions game going, oh, this is going to suck. I don't know why. It shouldn't, but it will. But anyways, fun exercise, but in all reality, let's let's just week at a time. Let's start with, please don't be the biggest pile of garbage quarterback in the history of the universe. That's step one. We get over that hurdle, we can focus on like being mediocre and winning games, and then maybe we can dabble with good and man fingers crossed we'll get to the point where we start talking about like you know super good type stuff 
Ned Backey. Hey. Uh, Cody Mander at Chenery was great. <clears throat> I caught it on YouTube Live for the first few minutes, anyways. Um, the Brian Baumgartner, um, that would be cool to have on the show. Um, like you said, though, I don't know if it would fit, you know, it, we'd be coming into a show to talk about the Packers and probably end up talking about the office, which... Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I'm sure for some... I would tune in, right? If if somebody was like Brian, ba just because it is, but I don't think I would enjoy it. It's it's like one of like I gotta listen to it. Brian Baumgartner's talking Packers, like that's so cool. I just have a hard time trying to figure out how to make that an interesting thing where it's not just some guy. I mean, I, I guess you would kind of blend, and if you throw in Packers with some office references, and you start bouncing back and forth some office lines, that could be kind of entertaining. Now that I think about it, that would be pretty cool. Try to keep it Packers, but use as many office references as possible especially kevin ones that would be a primo episode so i will sort of walk that back a little bit because i said I, I couldn't think of a way to make it good that would maybe be it for me but like you're saying you know non-office fans and even some office fans probably don't listen to the packernet podcast to have a conversation about the office entirely but that might be the best balance if you can do it. But then you're kind of on the hot seat because it's like you're sitting there talking Packers. You're like, okay, office, uh, freaking prison, Mike, no. Uh, uh, what else happened in that stupid show? Uh, yeah, yeah, so next question is, uh, what do you think about the Packers 2023 season? And come on, thank you, idiot, spilling chili. Boy, I hope the Packers don't spill the chili this year, right? <laughs> this is going horribly. <laughs> it's something that I don't believe your audience is used to. Um, we'll wait. <laughs> a football show that talks about the office a ton that's exactly packing it after dark so uh, you're on there Holmes hey. anyhow everybody um, oh I'm going to be doing one of the uh, the Packernet podcast road trips cross country from from Florida to northern Wisconsin here nice um, next weekend so Probably be calling in from the road a few times. Uh, Dakota, if you want to hang out on 75 North or something there in Tennessee, I'll pick you up. <laughs> I don't know where we'll hang out. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. For sure, man. Speaking of Dakota, here's Dakota. Hey, y'all. This is Dakota. That nerd in Tennessee. How you doing? Good. Um... So I'm calling, just heard the end of the most current Packernet at the dark, which is the one where Eli the Carpenter called, stated that he was the truth. True, true. Said we were going to do net 12 webs, all that good stuff. Yeah. But you mentioned that you really liked my idea of, or you thought it was, yeah, you liked my idea of uh, the the lion biting the kneecap. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand you can't do it as a Packers fan. You can't put a lion's tattoo on you, and it's completely understandable. But it just tickles me pain to know. That you enjoyed it probably as much as I did. <laughs> um, so I'm actually calling just to give a brief, uh, I guess, uh, it's not a brief, just to tell you what I am. I, I guess I'm a Joe's Janet truther. I didn't know that, you know, I was going to be a truther of a one Mr. Joe the janitor, but I go. can't. I mean, I just, I enjoy his whole everything. So, um, I mean, if it's not the truth, I will be heartbroken. Therefore, I will remain a truther. <laughs> and just deny uh, it. I am actually 
thinking we may win eight, maybe nine games. Oh, we got a new low. Reason being is we're gonna we're gonna have some hiccups early on. Of course, not the very first week. First week we're gonna look like a well-oiled machine when we take down the Bears, two hundred seventy-two to nothing. That's 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 what's gonna happen the first week, and then you know they're allowed to have some hiccups with their young offensive crew. Um, so yeah, I honestly think we might get around eight to nine wins. We're going to surprise one or two that we're not supposed to beat, and we're going to have some mess-ups and uh, sadly lose to people that we're not supposed to. That is obviously not the Bears. Yep. Anyway, those are those are my thoughts on those two things that you keep track of. All right, y'all. Peace. Yeah, I also, I also have a tab here for theme song if you want to make a song. We do a little ditty. We still only have the three. So that's you know it's up to you if you want to you know do something like that. But yep. So we have uh, what do we got here? Um, we have eight truthers and one denier. So this is going mm, only in one direction. It appears I put you down for eight point five wins. If that's all right, you said eight to nine. We'll do that. That is a new low. So very optimistic, Packernet. Uh, it's 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 actually good to hear because as I kind of come into my soft landing from my hype phase. Um, I'm worried that I'm kind of pulling you guys down with me, and apparently I am having no effect whatsoever, which is good. Hey, Ryan. It's Aaron from Oak Player again. Howdy. Uh, thanks for taking all these calls. I really appreciate how you uh, treat everybody's calls with respect and uh, give them Try. you know, equal uh, respect and time of day. So I really appreciate how you, uh, how you handle the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Why don't you uh, chime in on the barbecue discussion? Oh yeah, let's do that. So uh, I'm a. Huge By the way, I've I've been cooking, and just making some great stuff, but I don't want to just do a barbecue monologue. So I've just been sitting here waiting. Like, come on, somebody talk about it so I can talk about it, please. <laughs> barbecue fan as well, um, and uh, I live in Eau Claire now. But for five years, my wife and I lived in the Dallas area. Okay. Well, I was going to graduate school for music, and one of the best things about living in uh, Texas was that Texas-style barbecue. Yeah, and they're known for their uh, their beef brisket. Right. So, and then the other thing that uh, was really kind of interesting to learn about was how they actually, if you're a purist of the Texas barbecue style, do not use barbecue sauce, right. which I still, and people do. They claim it's just salt and pepper, but they're all lying. I mean, it's not, whatever, people eat it however they want to do, and they offer barbecue sauce still. But if you're a Texas barbecue connoisseur, you're not supposed to technically use barbecue sauce. Right. I love barbecue sauce, so I use it anyway. But, um, but yeah, it's all drummer rubs, and uh, there is some pretty incredible stuff. Um, I remember going to Austin, Texas, and they have a ton of barbecue spots around there. Um, the Salt Lake was a, a really good one. I don't know if you've ever been down that way. Nope. But I highly recommend it. It's this open barbecue pit, so it's not actually in a smoker. It's open pit, a big fire out in the open air, mm -hmm. and they make just incredible stuff. So anyways, just wanted to know if you've ever had Texas barbecue or not. Um, and uh, I'll let you 
answer. So it's actually funny. Until I started getting into it, I didn't realize there was another kind of barbecue. Like, I knew there were regions and different kinds of things or whatever, but I, I just thought, because I grew up in Illinois, so Chicago is it's actually a pretty big barbecue scene, even though it's not really um, very popular among the, you know, whatever. But Chicago-style barbecue is basically like Kansas City or Memphis or whatever. That that sort of, it's barbecue ribs and it's barbecue pulled pork and it's just, it's, it's, it's barbecue sauce. It's not beef, it's pork. And you get your, you know, fall off the bone ribs that they probably boiled the crap out of. So I was pretty shocked to find out, you know, Texas barbecue is a lot of beef. Like they do ribs, obviously, but it's, it's brisket, which, you know, it's funny too, because different regions, they're, they're kind of the same where they're in like this bubble. Like I, I didn't, I had no idea what a brisket was. No idea. First time I had brisket in my life was within the last five years. I only bought a brisket once because it was massively on sale at uh, Costco. It was a big, giant prime brisket, which of course you buy it and then you take pictures of it and everybody's like, yeah, dude, that ain't prime. And I was like, yeah, I kind of, I looked up prime and like what the marbling's supposed to look like and it looks like I got ripped off, but whatever. Probably just paid full price for a lesser cut. But I've done one brisket in my life. Delicious, by the way. Brisket tacos? I love making all kinds of tacos. Brisket tacos have got to be one of my favorites. If, if we're just talking like legit corn tortilla, heated up over the fire thing, unbelievable. But then you got like the Carolinas. They got like whole hog and they got like a mustard-based sauce, which I knew those existed. I didn't know that was like some people's staple. Like what? And then there's a vinegar-based sauce. Like what is it? Dude, I use sweet ketchup. I don't know what you guys are doing. Then you got people out west who are talking tri-tip. And everybody's like, dude, tri-tip, tri-tip. I'm like, I, I literally cannot buy tri-tip. It's not for sale anywhere out here. Like, aside from like the four states out west that sell it and are obsessed with it, I don't know that anybody else can even get it. However, to be noted, I did buy one. Bought it online. It's in my fridge. It will be cooked today. Yesterday, first time, hanger steak. Dude... Freaking hanger steak. Holy crap, it's good. So I'm knocking out some of the stuff I've never tried before. And actually, this is going to come out in a couple days. So the hanger steak will, or the tri-tip will have been done a a day or two ago, I think. Because I'm a couple days ahead on the the, uh, packing it after dark. Getting that weekend work in. But yeah, as far as me eating that style, the only thing I ever did, I I made uh, not too long ago, within the last week, spare ribs and it was like the whole spare ribs that need to be trimmed up which i usually never do i I don't hardly do any trimming unless there's like just a big fat cap on it or something so even like the spare ribs i would just leave the edges i don't care about it looking pretty i don't care if some of the it's it's meat dude but what i did is i trimmed it up like an actual st louis cut spare rib and i seasoned it up like i like it with all the seasonings and the the dry rubs and the barbecue sauce but the extra trimmings around the outside i just did texas style salt and pepper And I think for the first time, I understand and appreciate why spare ribs are more liked in the barbecue community than baby backs, because I could never understand that. But I'm munching on these things that just got like weird bones going in all different directions and the fattiness and just, it was just delicious. It was just salt and pepper and it was just amazing tasting fatty pork. Kind of remind me of like pulled pork on the bone or something. I don't know. It was good. But I absolutely would love to get down to Texas and get real, um... Texas barbecue because it seems amazing. I mean, obviously brisket, I'm not going to put barbecue sauce on it. Although I have seen like the chopped brisket with barbecue in it. Eh. It's usually just like the leftover garbage cuts. But like get the whole thing. Get the brisket, get the ribs, everything, just salt and pepper. Just see how it how it tastes. 
Because I feel like if I do it, I'm just going to be like, eh, it's not very good, but I'm not getting the right experience. I don't have these 60 billion gallon smokers that these guys have. Also, one final thing. I also made, what the heck is it called? Country style pork ribs. I bought it because it was on sale. I regretted it because it's like, I always do that. I buy it because it's on sale and I'm like, I'll figure it out. And it's like, I don't want to eat it. Super cheap cut because nobody wants it. If you find country style pork ribs, which is just like this thin strip with a bone in it, there was a recipe by Matt from Meat Church on YouTube that I watched. Now he smoked it. I didn't even smoke it. I was like, you know what? If we're going to do it like that, I'm not going to waste the smoke because smoke is basically just a seasoning. I'm just going to try it without. But I just did it in the oven. And then you, uh, what do you call that? This is how good of a cook I am. I don't even know the names of it. Anyways, I made my own little pool of liquid. And it was apple cider vinegar and a bunch of other stuff because I love the taste of apple cider vinegar on stuff. But I mixed it all together. I threw them in there after they were cooked up to about 165, wrapped it in foil, threw it back in there until it got the super freaking tenderoni, 195, whatever. Dude. Oh, oh, and then once it gets tender, you take it back out, you put some some glaze on it. So I got my Asian Zing Buffalo Wild Wing sauce, and then I put barbecue on the other one. Pop it back in, let it stick up a little bit. I, I was in heaven. I was absolutely in heaven. I've been eating pretty good lately, but I ate both of those pork spare rib things. I didn't even bother putting it in my app that calculates how much I ate because I'm like, I just ruined the diet there, but I don't care. It's delicious. So if you see them and they're on sale and you're like, I don't know, it looks stupid and I don't know how to make it, just go check out that YouTube thing. Country style pork ribs, meat church, done deal. And if you smoke it, it's going to be even a little better because you got a little extra on it. But you don't have to. Braise. That's the word. Braised it. Just let them cook in juice, man. Oh, it's so good. I like meat. Anyways, I had to, I've been waiting for a call for a while, so I had to unload all that. So thank you, A-A-Ron. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, A-A-Ron again. What up? I just wanted to throw another song in the ring for uh, <laughs> interesting Packers sure. song for this year. Um, the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? I know it's more of a romantic love song. It's going to be weird, yeah. Uh, Some of the lyrics don't really apply. I'm sure. But the chorus is kind of applicable because, you know, how deep is your love? I really need to learn because we're living in a world of fools breaking us down when they all should let us be. I think that sums up the Jordan Love discussion pretty decently well. But uh, on that note, uh, I like the Bee Gees version, but my favorite version is by P.J. Morton and Yeba. If you look up P.J. Morton, uh, How Deep Is Your Love, there's a studio version and a live version. I like the live version. Uh, it's more of like a, like a modern, like R&B, neo soul kind of take on it. So anyways... That's it. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll say, well, let's just do it. Two, three. Yeah, yeah. All right. I know your eyes in the morning sun. I feel you touch me in the pouring rain. Yeah, I actually kind of like that. I wasn't expecting that, but that's just because I don't like the Bee Gees. Um, I get what you're saying, but I got to do that thing where I make it awkward. You understand how this works. So the lyrics, 
I know your eyes in the morning sun. I feel you touch me in the pouring rain. And the moment that you wander far from me, I want to feel you in my arms again. So. And you keep, and you come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love. Then you softly leave. And it's me you need to show how deep is your love. Okay. Um, my vote is no on that one. But again, if we, if we, yeah, even the how deep is your love thing is kind of weird. Uh, I think if we really just clip it down to we're living in a world of fools breaking us down when they all should let us be. And even the last part, when they all should let us be, probably cut that out because, I mean, it's football. They're not going to let us be. But yeah, we're living in a world of fools breaking us down. If we just do that and then acknowledge love is somewhere in this, which is the name of our quarterback, then that sort of works. But I'm 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 gonna be I'm it's a no for me. Okay. And we'll leave it at that. Uh why don't we actually take a break and um come back and see what's going on? We got one more from AA Ron, so we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan, sorry, one more call. Um, hey, hey, Ron from Wisconsin, from uh, Eau Claire. Yep. Sorry. Um, I was just listening to the discussion on... Uh, on irritating phrases and I wanted to add that uh, the first time you had that call about that discussion I also had the same reaction that people have all of a sudden started using the word humans a bunch like oh he's one of the or 
We're trying to become better humans. I don't know if I've noticed that. It's, I don't know. I haven't, I, I, I haven't picked up on it, I guess. Usually stuff like that is annoying as crap, and I notice it and immediately hate it. We're trying to become better, better people. So stuff like that. Um, another one. What is the reason for it? Is it just because we're bored with people, or is there some deeper, stupid, idiotic meaning that's coming out of academia that I'm not aware of? Because it's, it's got to be, right? There has to be some re- like is people offensive? Does it mean so? I don't know. I don't freaking know. That I've noticed is uh, the something of it all. Like I'll listen, I'll listen to some someone talk about a TV show and be like, oh, and then the you know the Breaking Bad of it all or something. I don't know. It's just I get it. Another thing that's really funny about it is um, when I don't know if you've experienced this, but you have like a friend from high school and then they go off to college. And, uh, like, let's say, like, they moved to, New- to Brooklyn or something, and then all of a sudden, the next time you see them, they have, like, like, some, like, just huge, like, groomed beard or some, like, hips. And you're like, you never used to do that. Like, why did you start doing that all of a sudden just because now you live in Brooklyn? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, it's just funny to me. You're like, you, you can kind of see, it's like so transparent, you know? Right. And it's like, it's just, it's funny when you can see the transformation based on something super, like, surface level, you know? Right. Like, oh, well, you moved to Brooklyn and everyone's like a hipster. So now you just dress in flannel <laughs> and wear like a hipster mustache. Does he have the hat, the little beanie thing? Stuff, just because of that. Um, glasses. And they would never acknowledge it. That's the funniest thing, right? It's like if you were to call them out on it, you what would they even say? Be like, yeah, I guess I, uh, yeah, I guess I changed my entire appearance to fit in. Like what? I guess I've never really understood it. I guess, I don't but. Know. Whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can relate. I'd love to, to know if you've ever had that experience of uh, seeing somebody move some, somewhere and then all of a sudden seeing, like, seeing them drastically change their appearance or the way they talk or the way they carry themselves. So, anyways, all right. That's my last call for now. Thanks for taking three of them. Yeah, I think it's just one of those, you know, there's two kinds of people situations. There's... People that they want to fit in, right? And and, and maybe that's just um, a what would you call it? Um, like a rational decision. You know, it's 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 the best thing for me. You know, how some people it's it's not like I want to fit in. It's it's about I want to be successful and I want that good first impression. So I, I I take care of the way I look. You know, I work out, I wear good clothes, I do my hair. It's not necessarily vanity as much as it is. Um, at least this is what they say. It's about I don't I don't I don't even know. You know what I mean though? Like the way you you people perceive you and kind of like if you go out for a job interview, you you do that. But but for them, it's like well, every moment of my life is a job interview. You know, people judge you based on your appearance, so I want to... I, I don't know. I don't know, because I don't get it, and I don't care. I mean, it, listen, if I wanted to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, yeah, I would probably need to go spend $100 on a haircut and spend a lot of money on clothes and, you know, focus on 
what I do, like what kind of hobbies I have to make sure that I fit in with the group because it's going to be important because people judge you on superficial things. Then there's other people who are just, in my opinion, kind of weak-willed and they just want to be, you know, with the cool kids and with the popular kids and, and what people think is more important than just what you want to do. And on the other side is you and I, A.A. Ron, who don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind that, hey, people are doing this. And if I do it, then I'll be a part of the crowd, and that's what I want, is to be like one of the people that's accepted by the group. It, it makes me feel sick to my stomach to even think that I would do that. To it, from my perspective, that's such a weak thing to do, to give up who I am and what I do and why I do it and submit to other people. No way in the world am I doing that. If I happen to adopt something, it's because I want to. But when... A new thing comes along and everybody does it within five seconds. There is no way in the world that that has anything to do with just making a rational decision. Oh, that's, that's how I choose to speak. <laughs> no, it's not. I like that word. I think I'll say that all the time. But, I mean, it is what it is. Do whatever you want to do. I, I don't care. Just, it, it just sitting back and watching what I perceive to be the masses acting in a way that is so weak and pathetic it just kind of tends to be a little annoying. Like, can anybody have a freaking backbone and just watch a trend come and go and just be like, no, oh, that's stupid, and just go about your business and live your life not worrying about what everybody thinks? Maybe it's just because I spend time on social media and that's where all these types of people go because they want to be where all the people are and everything else. And there's actually far more people that don't care, but you just don't know it because they're not even on social media and they don't use it very much. I don't know. But it just seems like everybody I see acts this way. And I understand if you're a teenager, right? You get to be 16, 17. And even I, when I was, you know, when I was younger, younger, no, I didn't do any of that. And then I got older and it was mostly for girls, you know, I want to look good. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, dude, if you're 25 or 30 or 50, come on, dude, stop caring. Okay, please. It's so incredibly embarrassing to watch, especially grown men act like this and start using the vernacular of, like, 17-year-olds. And I'm not going to get super specific, but it's very, very common in this arena that I'm standing in. People that are way too old to be pretending that they're, like, one of the hip kids. It's like that freaking meme of Steve Buscemi with the skateboard. That's all I see. I'm looking out at old people trying to pretend they're still, like, in high school, which is embarrassing to me. But, again... You want to fit in, and, and this is what you have to do to, to display your allegiance to the masses and be like, hey, I'm one of you, and then everyone, and, and it's easy to get into the club. You just have to say what they say and do what they do and wear what they wear. It's not that hard to do. Then you're in the club, and everybody likes you, and you get to feel happy about that. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't personally understand that, but do whatever makes you happy. Yo, Ryan. Yo. Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. What's going on, man? Uh, just listening to the show, wanted to call in and talk about, I work at a smokehouse, so yep. me and the other guys were constantly thinking of new stuff that we could smoke. Dude, I just gave you an idea. I like that. Um, so what we did, one of my coworkers who I thought was absolutely insane, his name's Josh, shout out Josh, he told me that he was going to cook a smoked meatloaf, nice. which I thought was ridiculous and stupid, and I don't like meatloaf, typically, disgusting, the band sucked. Um, to my surprise, it was the best thing that I've eaten in a long time. Smoked meatloaf. It was amazing. I don't know. It's actually a fantastic idea. 
When I was a kid, my stepmom would make meatloaf, and I loved it. And I think she'd put barbecue sauce on it. I'm not positive. It had a sweet sauce on top. Apparently, like, ketchup is what's more popular. I don't know. My grandma made a meatloaf once, and I'm like, oh, I love meatloaf. And she made a meatloaf and put ketchup on it. I'm like, this is freaking disgusting. I'm not eating this. So I don't know what my stepmom did to make it so good or if I'd even be able to replicate that. But done right, and I've, of course, never had it smoked, but I need to try that. Um, meatloaf can be absolutely fantastic. So hopefully you're going to tell me exactly how to do that. How we did it. I hated admitting that it was good. <clears throat> On an unrelated note, Packers stuff, I'm actually starting to freak out. I talked about it with Clayton on the uh, Sunday night recap, which <laughs> someone was absent for. So, here's the situation, all right? Clayton is like, hey, we're doing our Sunday thing. You're going to be available? And I'm like, I should be, because my family, they were, they were going out and doing a thing. Um, there was some concert at the fair that my wife wanted to take the kids to, and they had to pick up their 4-H stuff. I'm like, I'm going to stay home and crush some Packernet stuff. So I got like a bunch of podcasts, and I'm like, I'm going to take a break. I went upstairs. I made the hanger steak last night. Unbelievable. Sat down, started flipping through Netflix. I watched a bunch of good stuff on Netflix, by the way. I watched, uh, I forget what it was. It was 65, I think, which was decent. And then I watched uh, something about a... Uh, Tudor. I think it's called The Tudor or whatever. Basically, I just went on all the top 10 stuff. Top 10 movies for... Uh, what? Oh! The Outlaws. Adam Sandler produced movie. I thought that was freaking hilarious. It was a little over the top like Adam Sandler tends to do, but it just had such a like 90s Adam Sandler vibe to it. I really appreciated it. And it was one of those things where it was kind of like, eh, this, this is losing me a little bit. And then something would happen and I just start bust out laughing. I haven't seen a movie like that in a while. So check that out for sure. But anyways... I passed out. I just had the house to myself. The lights were off, laying on the couch. I think it was when I was uh, watching 65. And uh, I wake up and I got a text from Clayton like, hey, I sent you the link. And it was, I think it was like seven o'clock or something at the time. So I do apologize for that one. Not going to say who, Ryan. Um, But yeah, I'm starting to freak out about the fact that we don't have a real backup. Um, I know that Sean Clifford is supposed to be like a clipboard, personal assistant, kind of backup for Jordan Love. But if Love goes down, are we going with Etling? Are we going with, uh, with Clifford? Or are there people out there like maybe an Andy Dalton, um, Nick Foles? I don't know. One of those types of dudes. Matt Ryan, somebody like that that we could bring in at least has a snowball's chance, maybe. To, to make it through if love goes down, which God forbid. Anyways, go pack, go. Love the show. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do apologize for that. I felt bad. I was supposed to be there. I told him I'd be there, and then I didn't make it. Um, yeah, I, I, a lot of people have brought that up, and I, I guess the only thing I could think is if that's the biggest concern, I, I think we're doing good. Um. I'm guessing if you went and looked at other teams' backup situations, it, it's probably better than Sean Clifford and Danny Etling. Um, but I also think that out of 32 teams, 30 of them are screwed and their season's over, right? The the only time you really start to, I, I guess, contemplate how serious this is, is Jordan Love's not done for the year. Like, let's say we're on a tear. We've won 10 games. Or let's say we won eight games and we're on our way to get into the playoffs, right? And let's say, I don't know, there's four weeks left. We probably only need to win two more and we should win easily 
two more if Jordan's a quarterback. But now, very unlikely we do. Let's say we have nine wins in four more games. We need to win one more game to get in. So we need to not lose all four games. With Sean Clifford, we might lose all four games. So we need to find a way to win a game. Um, that would be like the only scenario. Because, I mean, if, if Love goes down week two and he's out for the season... Just put in Sean Clifford. I don't give a crap, right? He he can use the experience, get him out there. Let's see what he can do. I think he's going to be a fun quarterback to watch. It's going to be a disaster. We're going to lose a bunch of games, but I don't really care because we're going to get a really high pick and the season's going to be over anyways. I don't want Andy Dalton to come in and win like four more games than Sean Clifford would win, and all it does is screw with us in the draft. I, I just, I don't know. I, maybe that's the wrong mentality. I just don't, uh, I don't like that plan. But yeah, I, I think in that scenario, um, it would make sense. But I also think if that's the scenario, you go get somebody. Right? That's when you sign somebody. Jordan Love goes down on Sunday at noon, and by Monday, we're, we're, we're hammering out a deal with somebody that's sitting out there. You know, uh, And granted, it'd be easier if they were there the whole time, but that's where somebody like Matt Ryan or, or whatever would be a pretty solid option. I know he struggled, but I mean, this is a system he's very familiar with. So, and, and, and look, I... I don't have any issue whatsoever with bringing in Matt Ryan right now. I mean, it, it's always made sense to me. He understands the system very well. He could come in and just be a helper to Jordan Love and um, and and could fill in and, and potentially help you win some games. So it, it makes perfect sense. We have the money to do it. I don't know if maybe Matt... I, I thought there was something about him maybe taking a TV thing or whatever, but I don't, I don't see anything about that right now. I don't know. I, I It seems to me like a no-brainer, but the Packers, for whatever reason, don't want to go that route. Um, I don't know. I, it's it, Maybe he wants too much money. Maybe they've they've reached out to him and he's like, yeah, I want... I mean, what did he get last year? You know, it's kind of hard to tell because it looks like it was just kind of a trade and the Colts just sort of picked up his contract. What did he get in his final year here? So, I mean, it was a cap hit of $27 million, but it looks like what went into his pocket was... Uh, about eleven million dollars. Well, the option bonus would have made it thirteen million. And uh, yeah, I understand not wanting to pay an extra thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million for a backup. What are backups making these days? Who, who's who's a comparable backup here? What's Andy Dalton been doing? So they've been screwing with his contract. Too. Imagine sucking so much that you're restructuring the living daylights out of your backup quarterback here. Um, dead cap is eight million. He has a base salary of $1.1 million, signing bonus of about a million dollars. So that puts him right at two. Yeah, so he's sitting at $2 million. <laughs> and, and maybe that's what the Packers are saying. Like, hey, Matt, we'd love to come you, have you come over here. We can offer you $2 million. And Matt's like, yeah, I'm not playing for less than 10. And 10 is like the floor. I really would like more than 10. You know, it's just this massively wide chasm. And they're like, look, I, you know, we, we can come up to maybe $4 million or something. I'm not going to pay you serious money. I don't know. That that would be the only thing I could think. I'm sure they would love to have a guy like that. There's just a massive gap between, uh, you know, Matt Ryan's value and his perceived value. You know, whereas the Packers want him as a strictly a backup. That's all you are. Matt Matt Ryan's like, no, I'm I'm. I, yes, I sucked last year, but I'm still a starter. I don't know. I really don't. But that would be my thought. And and, and again, I think generally speaking. It's relatively unlikely that it's going to have a massive impact on the on the year, and that isn't to say you know Jordan doesn't go out for a for a play or two, and that could be pretty detrimental. Although you know you're just going to run the ball in those situations, but even beyond that, you know, 
for it to be so impactful that it makes the difference between playoffs and not playoffs are very low, right? If if we're going to make the playoffs with Jordan Love or we're not going to make the playoffs with Jordan Love, there's a very narrow scenario where that changes based on, you know, an injury of of a few plays or a few weeks or whatever. So, it's not the biggest thing, but I, but I'm I'm also of the opinion that it it seems like a very easy thing to do depending on the price. And there's there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, I, I think um, I mean Matt Ryan by far makes the most sense. But I don't see any reason why you couldn't go with Carson Wentz or or any of these guys. I mean, there's there's Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, Bryce Perkins, EJ Perry. Jay, I don't know about the last couple, but I mean, even Chase Daniel. If it's just a matter of you know, I mean, he's he's been able to step in and win games. Granted, it was I think for the Bears, but he's 37 years old. He's been around. He's done lots of stuff. He's got a lot of experience. But I also think the Packers seem to be shifting their philosophy from we need to defend against the possibility of being screwed to we're okay with things not going well and we're going to focus more on building for the future. And if that means giving Sean Clifford more opportunities, good. We don't want to bury Sean Clifford and um, have some 38-year-old taking snaps. That's not going to help us in the future. So we're going to see more... Reed and Watson and, and young guys there and Musgrave and all these guys that were hiding before because we only want the experienced guys because we're desperately trying to win a Super Bowl in this window. We're now kind of looking at it from the other perspective of not saying we're not trying to win a Super Bowl, but we're more focused on what is going to help us in the future and giving Sean Clifford as much exposure as possible benefits us in the future more so than having Sean Ryan take up all our money and just sit there. And again, I think if it does come down to that, right, we've got nine wins, four games left, we need one more win to get in, I think we go get somebody in that moment. That's when we overpay for somebody, but they're willing to do it. They're willing to gamble on, you know, that not being the case. That's all That's all I can think. And it's not impossible that they end up doing it anyways, but that's all I can come up with. And, and again, I'm not supremely worried about it. Um, just hope that Jordan Love doesn't get hurt, because then, then what do you do? Do you just replace him? I mean, the guy hasn't even gotten a shot. feels like you have to kind of come back and run it back again, right? So you draft somebody else really high and, I don't know, go get uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it's 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 not a huge concern for me, I guess. We'll, we'll play it by ear as the season goes along. The, the other thing that kind of annoys me with some of the people that say it, I'm not saying you're doing it, Jacob, because I don't think you are as, as more of an eternal optimist, but a lot of people that keep hammering the backup quarterback thing, they really don't care about it because Rodgers never really had good backups ever, and and there wasn't this big of a hubbub about it. The reason people, a lot of people want Matt Ryan is because they genuinely think Jordan Love is going to be a disaster, and they want somebody else to come in and fix his mistakes. And so we actually have a halfway competent quarterback when Jordan Love just completely falls apart. And... um I, I, I somewhat disagree with that because, again, I'd rather just let the, the ship burn. If he's not the guy, just let him go down with the ship. Let him completely flame out so we don't have, like, this Trey Lance situation where it's like, yeah, we benched him because it wasn't great, and then we come back next year. We're going to try it again next year. No, you play the whole year, and you need to right the ship, and if you can't, then we move on. Um, that would be my preference. But also just kind of screw you to anybody that just has that mentality of we need to get Dalton because Jordan Love is going to be so trash that we need Dalton to save us from Jordan Love. Like, dude, just shut up, all right? Do me the biggest favor in the world and shut up forever. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Joe. 
janitor. What's up? Connecticut. Connecticut. How's it going, buddy? All right. Well, I was thinking ahead to the future. Okay. And um, I went and ordered me uh, number 10 <laughs> Jets jersey. <laughs> you jerk. Oh, man. Shalom. <laughs> you douche. Uh, no, it's pretty funny. That was a good one. But, um, all right, last call, and then we're all caught up. Kyle from Madison. Ryan, Kyle from Madison, how are you? What up, man? I'm good. So I'm just curious. Can I be a Joe the Janitor denier and then now a truther since he's now a janitor? If you want to switch, then we have no denial. Just wondering how the rules work. Um, I have a question for you. I'll be honest. I would prefer if you switch because then I can just get rid of the spreadsheet because I'm tired of having to go find it every second. Like, oh, put me down first. Like, oh, crap. I got to go find that sheet. I should just leave it open, but I'm a weirdo about tabs. I hate it. Um, but that's up to you. You figure out what you want to do. But we'll just we'll just close that file forever. I thought it would be closer to 50-50. We've got one denier who wants to be a truther. I, I guess there are no deniers. So there you go. So... I've kind of been just going over young quarterbacks in their first year. And one thing that stands out that is usually the case is teams generally that invest the high draft pick in a quarterback were typically garbage the year before. Um, not too many teams have the luxury of doing what we've done um, or even the Chiefs. You know, I mean, Alex Smith, I, I believe that team was, you know, a playoff team the year before Mahomes got the start. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've seen is that almost always these these young quarterbacks start behind an offensive line that's just woefully inadequate because, I mean, I guess yeah. rightfully so, first up on the GM list is to get a, get a franchise quarterback, and then usually it's... A- well, it's also because teams are stupid. I mean, I understand if you got one, you know, bird in the hand or whatever, you got to take them, but... There are so many times, I mean, they're, they're bad football teams, not just because of the quarterback. And you, for whatever reason, usually the offensive line is one of them. And there have been so many times in my life that I have begged teams not to take a quarterback because they're going to get freaking destroyed. Now, I was, um, well, no, that was, that was Jamar Chase, I think, when I was begging for them to get an offensive lineman instead of Jamar Chase, but they got... Uh, it ended up working out obviously pretty well, so I was stupid. But no, I, I, I unless you are a hundred thousand percent sure, build the offensive line so your quarterback can come into a good situation. Because I think there have been too many times these guys have come in to a bad team. Because that's how you end up drafting high enough to get a quarterback in the first place. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. If you build up the team first, then you suddenly start picking in the fifteens, and now you don't get quarterbacks anymore. So I guess I kind of get it. But man, these quarterbacks just get screwed big time. A season or two before they establish. Um... Or at least a year before they establish a blindside tackle. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that because I think it is really unique that love, just like Rodgers, because I think Rodgers wasn't Clifton. I think Clifton was the, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Clifton was our left tackle when Rodgers started. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed, Bakhtiari stays healthy. But I do think there's probably a through line with, you know, how good is your offensive line for a young quarterback and how well does that quarterback do? Um, Because in some of the film I've been watching, you know, I'm not pretending to be some superior football mind, but I can certainly see when a young quarterback is only getting through one or two reads and then gets the yips because they're getting crushed from the blind side. Yep. 
And I don't know that that's going to be the case for us. I feel like in the film I've seen of, of Love, even, you know, the Chiefs game where he's getting just oh, he stands in, man. zero blitz. He's getting through three, four, even five. I know in the Eagles game I was watching one where he's getting through four reads. He had a little time. Um, and so I just want to get your thoughts on that because I think that's a huge factor that's not really talked about is that we have a I, they got to play better than they did last year. But if everybody's healthy, I mean, at least his blind side with Jenkins and Bakhtiari, I mean, that's to me that is a huge factor in whether or not he can succeed uh, because he'll actually be able to go out and have time to execute the things that the coaches are teaching him to do. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's not just the offensive line. I, I think most quarterbacks, they get taken early, and they get taken early because the team that drafted them is terrible. And so you're coming into a horrible team, usually a terrible offensive line, no weapons, bad culture, bad locker room, you know, not a great coaching staff unless that all got revamped, in which case you got all brand new everything, and then you're expected to learn everything in one offseason and go out and perform with a subpar team. I saw something on Twitter today, actually. It was uh, one of these graphs that people throw out there and was showing rookies in their first year. I don't even know what the X and Y was, but just generally, you know, top right is, is the best. And there's kind of a cluster toward the bottom left of first-year quarterbacks. And so my thought was, well, is do we consider Jordan Love a first-year quarterback or is he not because he's been on the team for a long time. And I think the more you think about it, the, the answer is definitely not. Now, he doesn't have the experience, so it's in a way it's his first year starting. But when you factor in all this other stuff, the, the, the biggest thing being, and this is true of, of a lot of other teams too. I mean, you could talk about the Eagles uh, who were in the playoffs and drafted a quarterback in the situation that he was in. You could talk about Lamar, who was drafted, I think, at pick 32, Baltimore is a pretty good football team. I mean, they traded up into 32, but still um, a, a pretty solid situation to be in um, compared to being picked number one or number three or number five overall. You're in a good situation. And so, yeah, Jordan Love, as opposed to most quarterbacks, significantly better offensive line. I would say probably better uh, weapons group when you look at wide receiver, tight end, running back. And uh, a, a hopefully capable defense on top of an established coaching staff and, and a good, or, a very well-run, established organization. And then, of course, probably the biggest thing, the fact that he's had all these many, many years to learn the system. Right? He is, in a sense, an expert of this system and um, also has had a little bit of extra time with work, to work with some of these guys. Uh, this past offseason has been huge up to through even now. Um, but also even in years past, being able to work with some of the guys, uh, Josiah DeGuara, probably J Josiah, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, probably the biggest ones, um, but then even a little bit Watson and Dobbs or whatever. So, so he has more experience in that regard than most. So um, in a sense, it's his first year, but I think it's more true that it would be um, he, he's kind of a veteran than it is he's a rookie, even though it's kind of a blend of both. But yeah, regardless, even if it was his first year, he's being put in a better situation than most rookie quarterbacks. Um, I do hope the offensive line can hold up because, yeah, that's that's massively going to help. Um, and I also agree, his his ability to stand in the pocket and not be shaken by uh, pass rush is is really incredible. I mean, we, we know Rodgers has done it in the past, 
his ability to, but he gets kind of, he gets the happy feet. And yeah, sometimes I think he just straight up panics and just stops, kind of drops his eyes and freaks out. Um, you know, he's, I think later in life, especially, he kind of started not liking being hit so much. And, um, you know, he's, he's becoming one of those guys like Tom Brady that just curls up in the fetal position when he feels people get close to him. And I think Jordan being a younger guy is much more, from what I've seen, he just stands there. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Now, maybe he takes a few more hits and he starts to get a little bit more yippish, but you know, those extra fractions of a second really do make a big difference. You know, I, I don't know how many times I, I broke down, you know, a game after they got done playing and just thinking, man, if he could have just stood in the pocket instead of dancing because somebody's behind him, I don't know where he is, stand there and throw, he could have had it. It was there, but he just, as soon as guys get close, he kind of starts doing his little dancing routine. He wants to reset and find a new spot. And he's he's killed the NFL doing that for a long time. You know, step up, move outside the pocket. But he has that so programmed into his head that once, you know, once these pass rushers get outside of my line of vision, I got to step up. I got to reset my feet. I got and, and at this point, you know, a guy was open for a second. The window's gone, and now he's not open anymore. And, um, you know, again, sometimes sometimes it's brilliant, and when it works, it's incredible, and you get touchdowns instead of sacks. And, and sometimes it's like you're just really ruining the timing of the offense as opposed to if you would just stand there and deliver. So uh, for me, it's it's refreshing. But it's also probably going to be annoying on the flip side because you're going to have Jordan standing there when you're like, dude, if that was Rodgers, he would have probably stepped up and felt that pressure and, and escaped the pocket and made something happen. So it's, it's going to be a little bit of a give and take. But I like the fact that he seems completely fearless in the pocket. So anyways, that's it. We are officially all caught up. Um, again, I am a couple days ahead, but please get your calls in. We had eight today, so we had just enough. So hopefully by tomorrow we can get seven more calls. That would be fantastic. Please keep them coming. We're getting very, very close to training camp. And, um, you know, if you want to give me a day off, I'm fine with it. But I'd like to be able to keep this going all the way through if we can. Because I know once training camp starts, boy, we're, we're flying. And I'm excited for it. So, anyways, please have a great night. Be safe. Have fun. Make meat. Tell me all about it in a slow and sensual kind of way. We'll talk tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>